Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. And I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado. And we are back for another week of talking sports with a dose of common sense. Hey, happy Wednesday to you. Hope your week is off to a good start. Hope you and your family, your friends, your coworkers, everyone is staying strong and healthy right now. And yes, kids, we have already reached the month of February. How is that possible? Didn't we, like, just... Finish the holidays. Weren't the holidays just like a couple of days ago? I don't know. The month of January. Always a long month, I might add. 31 days, and at least here in Colorado, usually bitter cold. It has absolutely been bitter cold this year. It's already over. We are already on to the month of February. And you think about all that comes in the month of February. We have a lot of things going on in February. It's a short month. But we have a lot of things happening in February. The Super Bowl takes place in February. Black History Month, of course, is in February. President's Day is in February. Maybe good day off or something for that. And yes, do not forget, we have the day that we all dread every single year. Because do not forget, don't forget, I'm telling you, don't say you didn't know, you knew. Valentine's Day is less than two weeks away. Ugh. I know, I hate to bring it up, I really do, but I bring it up because our job is to help you. Here at The Daily Dose, we're in the business of helping people. And like I said, I hate to bring up Valentine's Day, but you may need to start planning that big day. You don't want to miss your opportunity to impress your Valentine. Whether it is, I don't know, a gift of some sort. Maybe it's candy. Maybe it's flowers. Whatever, you may want to start preparing for that right now before the last second. You might have something get missed. You might not get what you wanted. Go start prepping right now. Hey, maybe you want to arrange a night out. Maybe you want to, I don't know, go to a nice dinner. Yeah, romantic dinner. Always a nice touch for Valentine's Day. Always a little bit impressive. Go have a nice upscale meal. Get dressed up. I know it's not very fun. Get dressed up. Go to a nice place and enjoy that time with the person that you care about. But the reason I bring this up, you may need to make reservations. You may need to call ahead. 
You need to make sure we're going to get our spot because there's nothing worse than going out that night and then going, oh, everywhere's packed. We can't even get in. We're going to end up you know, eating fast food because we couldn't find anywhere to go. So I'm just letting you know ahead of time. February, it is Valentine's month. You got to go out and start prepping. And I know, I know before you even say it, I know sometimes these big dinners, we kind of worry about having to go to like the really nice restaurants, being uncomfortable, you're dressed up, you go to the nice ritzy place, maybe you're not sure what fork am I supposed to use, all the music's playing, the candles are lit, it's not always comfortable, but you know a lot of times your valentine wants that, right? I'm just telling you, go, it's worth it. And when you think about it this year, you don't even have to worry about going to the nice fancy restaurant honestly with all the inflation we have right now with the cost of eggs right now honestly you can take your date to like denny's get her an omelet you're spending the same amount that you'd spend at like a top steakhouse so book that dinner at ihop if you want i'm telling you you're still going to be spending your hard-earned cash it's just that you're going to be spending it on a couple of eggs instead of a giant porterhouse or you know if you don't want to do that, I guess you can just go out by yourself to some disgusting dive gentleman's club and get a filthy lap dance from a disgusting person. And honestly, now that I think about it, I guarantee that's going to be cheaper than going to IHOP. Hey, before we jump in today, just want to remind you to be sure you are stopping by DailyDoseSports.com every single week. We have new articles going up. We have links to the podcast going up. We have links to the video. And yes, we have links to the Daily Dose gear. Speaking of Valentine's Day, right now is a perfect time to order some Daily Dose gear for your Valentine. Hey, you're not sure what to get them. You're not sure what they need. Go over to Daily Dose Sports. You can find exactly what you need. Maybe they need a hoodie. Maybe they need a t-shirt. Maybe they need a sweatshirt. It has been a bit chilly. You might want to get one of those items for Valentine's Day. Plus, you always want to check in on what is going up there every week. I release a new article on Tuesdays. Young Jimmy will release an article on Thursdays. You might have seen last week, by the way, Young Jimmy released an article on the new slap fighting thing that's getting big in the world right now. Always some interesting things going on over at DailyDoseSports.com. Be sure you're stopping by and checking in every week. Hey, today on the show, Super Bowl 57 is now set. We are going to take a very early look at what we might expect in that game and we're going to recap how each of those teams got there but then you know the last few weeks honestly month month and a half our attention has been stuck on the nfl nfl playoffs have been crazy they've been unpredictable as they are every year but because of that we haven't always gotten to check in on some of the other sports today we're going to take a look at a few of the other major sports and kind of see where we're at in those seasons right now. But first, let's jump into a little bit of the news that we have this week. And we have a little local news to start off with, because it sounds like my Denver Broncos have finally hired themselves a brand new head coach. Although it does come at a very steep price. The Broncos had fired their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, clear back the day after Christmas. And then they didn't hire anyone right away. They talked to Sean Payton, they talked to Dan Quinn, they talked to Jim Harbaugh, they talked to D'Amico Ryans, they talked to Jim Caldwell, 
they talked to a number of candidates, but no one took the job. And it was kind of looking like the Broncos were that ugly girl that no one wanted to take to prom. But just like they say, if you're dumb, you better be tough. Well, if you're ugly, it helps to be rich. So now the ugly Broncos have Walmart money and they are making a deal to sign former New Orleans Saints head coach, Sean Payton. The Saints will be receiving the Broncos' 2023 first-round pick. That is the number 30 pick overall. And they will receive the Broncos' 2024 second-round pick. The Saints, meanwhile, will give back the third-round pick of 2024. So the Broncos right now have a ton of draft capital that they have given away to get Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. They need to figure this out and make it work. Then again... The Broncos probably botched those draft picks anyway, so maybe it doesn't matter at all. Like I said, Super Bowl 57 is set as the Philadelphia Eagles will be facing the Kansas City Chiefs in the big game next Sunday. But you know, both teams took a very different path in their conference title games to get there. And I think that, you know, this week in like sports talk, there are some very popular narratives to both of these championship games, personally. I think those narratives are actually wrong. First, in the NFC Championship game, hey, that game was tight. The Eagles were facing a very tough San Francisco 49ers team, and I was expecting a heavyweight fight. It turned out to be a Mike Tyson versus Michael Spinks kind of fight. The Eagles scored a touchdown to open the game, and on the very first offensive series for the Niners, quarterback Brock Purdy was hit and suffered a pretty serious elbow injury. He had to leave the game. So in comes fourth-string quarterback Josh Johnson. Because remember, Brock Purdy was the third-string quarterback behind Jimmy Garoppolo and behind Trey Lance. So now they're down to four. Hey, the Niners are trying to battle. It's 7-7. And then the Eagles score again, 14-7. But then Johnson fumbles. Suddenly it's 21-7 at halftime, and you're like, what just happened? Then Johnson gets hurt. The Niners are talking about having to have running back Christian McCaffrey play quarterback. Purdy came back in, but he couldn't throw. He couldn't do anything. He handed off the rest of the game, and the game was literally over in that second quarter. The Eagles rolled 31-7, to and by the end of it, the Niners had completely melted down. They were taking a ton of penalties, 11 penalties for 81 yards and an ejection. And the narrative this week in Sports Talk is that if not for the quarterback injuries, the Niners might have been the better team. I completely disagree with that. Do not underestimate the fact that the Eagles' defense is what caused both of those injuries. I mean, it is kind of like saying, hey, Michael Spinks would have won the fight if not for the injuries he sustained from Mike Tyson's fist clanging off of his skull. Well, yeah, but they happened. I still think The Philadelphia Eagles are the most balanced team in the league this year. They are stacked in the trenches. And as excited as we get about the so-called skill positions, this game is won or lost in the trenches. The Eagles have a bunch in the trenches. Next up, we had the AFC Championship game where the Cincinnati Bengals went to Kansas City to face the Chiefs, who they had beaten three times in a row. One time in Arrowhead last year in the playoffs. So, hey, maybe the Bengals are just kryptonite for the Chiefs. Maybe they know the secret to beating them. Yeah, or maybe not. 
The Chiefs led the game all day. Joe Burrow's offensive line was a complete disaster. Burrow was sacked five times. He was hit 12 times. Hey, it's really tough to win a game when your quarterback's getting decked on every play. And I give Burrow credit. He's a tough dude. But that's a lot to overcome. But let's talk about the narrative from this game, which, of course, is that the officials cost the Bengals the game. The fix was in. The game was rigged. And these statements aren't coming from some drunken moron fan. They are being posted by some so-called well-respected NFL publications. But let's discuss this. The officiating was terrible. Truly terrible. And it bothers me that every single call seemed to go against Cincinnati. You know, if refs are bad both ways, you just say, well, they're bad. But this was tilted hard for the home team. And every time there was a bad call, we had to listen to Tony Romo ask the NFL rules expert, Gene Steratore, Gene, was that the right call? And Gene was like, of course it was the right call. Officials are perfect. Who are you going to believe? Gene Steratore or your own lying eyes? And yet, with all the bad calls, the Bengals had back-to-back offensive opportunities to go win the game with the game tied and the Super Bowl in the bounce. And on those opportunities, Joe Burrow threw an interception on the first one, and the Bengals couldn't move the ball, and they had to punt. So the Chiefs get the ball on their final drive of the game, scores tied at 20, and a hobbled Patrick Mahomes drives the Casey offense out to midfield. On third and four, he scrambles for a first down, but as he runs out of bounds, frustrated Bengal defender Joseph Asai shoves Mahomes about two yards out of bounds, and the penalty puts the Chiefs in field goal range. Game over, 23-20. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Well, this game is all on Osai, right? Without that late hit penalty, the Chiefs would have had to kick a 60-yarder. So again, this came down to the officials. Well, one, this is a pretty clear call. Unlike some of the other calls, you had to call this one. And two, there were still 17 seconds left. Let's say Asai pulls up. He doesn't touch Mahomes. Mahomes run out of bounds. The Chiefs still had three or four plays to get into field goal range. So I know the narratives out there on both of these games were, one, injuries cost the Niners. I don't think they did. And if they did, credit the Eagles for creating those injuries. And two, the refs were horrible in the Bengals-Chiefs game. Did it cost the Bengals the game? No. Your inability to protect your quarterback cost you the game. So now we have the Philadelphia Eagles facing the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 57 on February 12th from State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. And that game opened on the betting lines as a pick'em. But that line has slid a little bit to the Eagles as two-point favorites. And the over-under total is set at 49.5 out in Vegas right now. Hey, this is going to be an interesting game. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, he's young, but he's very poised, and he hasn't been making those big, awful mistakes. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes should be fully healthy on that ankle. And like I said, as much as there's a narrative out there that maybe, you know, the Niners, maybe the Bengals should have been in the Super Bowl, I honestly feel like we have the two best teams going to the big game. And... We do also get the storyline of Chiefs head coach Andy Reid going against his former team that he took to the Super Bowl back in 2004. 
I think this has a chance to be a very entertaining game. The explosive Chiefs offense against a very physical Eagles defense, a very run-heavy Eagles offense against a Chiefs defense that likes to take a lot of chances. Who's going to win? Well, you better tune into the dose next week for our Super Bowl 57 preview where we are going to break down this game in full detail. Some sad news in the world of college basketball. Longtime college basketball commentator Billy Packer, the voice of the NCAA tournament for more than 30 years, died last Thursday night. He was 82 years old. Packer was the lead college basketball analyst for 34 straight Final Fours. He was the first at NBC and then at CBS, while he also did some work as an analyst for ACC games on the Raycom Sports Network. Packer received a sports Emmy for Outstanding Sports Personality, Studio, and Sports Analyst back in 93. You might not realize this, but Billy Packer attended Wake Forest, where he was named All-ACC in both 61 and 62. He's a pretty good player. He helped lead the Demon Deacons to three ACC regular season titles and their first Final Four appearance back in 62. And Packer was actually named to the All-Region team. He briefly coached a little bit, and then he got started as an announcer in 72. He told The Athletic in 2019 that he'd never really had a goal to be a broadcaster. But within two years, Packer was on the call for the NCAA tournament and for Final Four games, and he didn't give up that seat until 2008. Packer made some of the most famous calls in Final Four history. You might remember. Back in 97, when the Arizona Wildcats won their title with Billy Packer speaking about Arizona guard Miles Simon, and he said, Simon says championship after Arizona won their title. He was also a part of the 79 broadcast with Dick Enberg and Al McGuire when Magic Johnson's Michigan State team defeated Larry Bird's Indiana State team in the title game. That, by the way, remains the highest rated game in college basketball history, they estimate there were over 35 million viewers for Michigan State versus Indiana State. Hey, you know, Billy Packer was a tough guy. He was opinionated. I'll be honest, I did not always agree with everything that came out of Billy Packer. There were a lot of times I was like, nah, I don't know if he's right on that. But I'll say this, Packer didn't pull any punches. And in this modern era where everybody's soft, Everybody has to be politically correct. He said what he thought, which I feel like we're missing now. I know it's kinder, it's nicer, it's gentler. And yet I kind of miss Billy Packer saying, hey, this kid's not playing the way he should be playing. This kid isn't doing what he should be doing. Or this kid is stepping up and getting the job done in the clutch. A lot of times announcers don't want to speak their mind anymore. Billy Packer did. And college basketball will miss Billy Packer. Finally, it sounds as if the Clemson Tigers basketball team may need to borrow a pump. Hold on for this final news story. It might be a bumpy ride. It seems that Clemson senior basketball player Brevin Galloway had himself, let's say, a bit of a medical emergency last week. The six foot two Tigers guard went on Instagram Thursday night last week to deliver, let's say, some deflating news. 
he said that he'd be missing some upcoming action for Clemson because it seems that Galloway suffered a very strange and very difficult injury. It seems that Brevin Galloway went to work out on Thursday morning. He went and lifted. Then he got done, and he went home, and he took a nap. And then he woke up in his bed, and he thought his teammates were playing a joke on him. He thought his teammates had put basketballs in his drawers. Turns out they had not. He needed an immediate trip to the hospital because it seems that during his lift, Brevin Galloway actually suffered an injury that is called medically testicular torsion. Oh, that was the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that sounds extremely painful. And there was kind of a cutoff blood supply. So his uh, his friends, uh, they swelled up to the size of nearly basketballs. Oh! Yeah, that makes everyone hurt. Thankfully, the doctors were able to get Ping and Pong back in shape, normal shape. And they say that Brevin Galloway will be back in a few weeks after he heals up and gets all figured out. But, you know, we spoke earlier about Valentine's Day. And like I said, I hope that this year, this February, your Valentine's Day is absolutely spectacular. I hope it lives up to all of your dreams. But even if it isn't, I will guarantee it is going to be better than poor Brevin Galloway's. Keep that kid in your prayers for the next few weeks. Okay, coming back. We have been talking so much about the NFL lately, with the playoffs going, that we haven't checked in on any of the other major sports lately. We are going to be bringing you our Daily Dose Power Rankings for the world of college basketball and the NBA. And, you know, we just might even do something that we rarely do here at the Daily Dose. We might actually talk a little bit of hockey. I mean, not much, but a little. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, we did our college basketball preview, gosh, I guess it was a couple of months ago. And while we know that college basketball is always unpredictable in this era, this year has been absolutely nuts. Going into the year, everyone was looking at a few big dogs. North Carolina returned a ton. So did Gonzaga. So did Houston. Kentucky was bringing back a bunch, 
And they were bringing back player of the year, Oscar Shibwe. Those four teams should be the top four teams in the country this year. Well, right now, those four teams have like 20 losses combined. Don't get me wrong. I'm not totally writing them off. But they're not there yet. They need to grow up. They need to figure some things out. So if we were looking right now at the world of college basketball, it wouldn't be those four teams. A couple of them are still in the hunt, but I know that like Kentucky, Kentucky's really struggled this year. There are times that North Carolina has really struggled this year. So like I said, I expect those teams to kind of bounce back as the year goes. But if I were naming the top five college basketball teams right now, who would I put on that list? Here are our daily dose top five college hoops teams, at least right now. It's going to change, I'm sure. First up at number five, I know we're not talking football. We won't be talking college football for a while. But at number five, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, Alabama was actually making a case that they were maybe the best team in college hoops this year. They were dominating everyone in the SEC by like 10 plus points every game. But as is very common in this era of college basketball, where it's so unpredictable, Alabama got pasted by a team we didn't expect. Bama got blown out by unranked Oklahoma over the weekend. Not that that totally undoes everything they've done. Tide are still legit, but you just took a big L to an unranked team. I'm going to drop you down. Still, Alabama has five wins over ranked teams this year, including wins over both North Carolina and over Houston. And Alabama can just score some serious points. Do you realize the Crimson Tide are averaging 83 points per game? They have very good guard play. Brandon Miller, he's probably going to be a name that you want to remember as we get into March Madness. He could possibly end up being like one of those household names that like we didn't know going into the tournament, and then by the end of it, everyone's going, you know, Brandon Miller, he might be a top NBA draft pick. He's that kind of player. Keep that name in mind. Alabama comes in today on our Daily Dose Power Rankings at number five. At number four, I'm going to place one of those teams that I had in my top four from the beginning. I really liked them going into the year, and that is the Houston Cougars. Yes, they have a really bad loss to the Temple Owls. Temple, solid, but they shouldn't be beating Houston. But make no mistake, the Houston Cougars are still a handful. Their defense is their strength. The problem for Houston is that their defense has been a little inconsistent at times, and then they can't always shoot it quite as well as they'd like to. They're not always clutch at the free throw line. Still, because of their talent and because of their depth, the Cougars are going to be a problem come March Madness. They also have good guards. And like I said, I talked about depth. Houston can come at you in ways. They can go eight, nine, ten deep sometimes. My concern for Houston is that we know prior to their conference, they were playing some of the big dogs and they were showing pretty well. But now they go back to that American Athletic Conference. And a lot of times, the American is pretty tough. You've got some pretty talented teams down there. This year, the American Conference is a little bit down. 
So they're not getting tested night in, night out like we would probably like them to be. But I do think Houston is going to be tough. And don't underestimate this. Houston has a lot of experience, so they know what the tournament takes. They know how they need to change their game as they get into the big dance. I'm going to put the Houston Cougars at number four. I think they're still going to be in the hunt. We move on to number three. And prior to the year, I picked the UCLA Bruins to be the big dog of the Pac-12. And they are still a contender to be the big dog. But the problem I'm having right now with UCLA, there are times that they can't get defensive stops when they absolutely have to happen. So right now, I would put a team above UCLA in the Pac-12. And it is a team that I would put at my number three spot, the team that just beat UCLA last week. And that is the Arizona Wildcats who come in today at number three. The Wildcats are another team. They can just flat out score points. They average also 83 points a game. When you average 83, granted, you can have a cold night and that's probably going to happen. But man, you're just daring that other team. You got to score 84. You're not going to beat us. And yes, Arizona has a guard named Kerr Creesa. And he can be pretty annoying. He's real, like, kind of flamboyant on the court, but he's also pretty good. Now, will Arizona most likely get a top two seed in the tournament? Yeah, they probably will. They are that talented. Will they get upset in that tournament? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's what they do every year at the end of the college basketball season. Here at the Daily Dose, we hand out an award for the top team that was highly ranked that got dumped in the tournament. And do you know what we call it? The Arizona Award. Because it's what they do. It's who they are. But the Arizona Wildcats are very talented. And they come in today on our power rankings at number three. We move on to number two. And we talked a little bit about the Kentucky Wildcats underachieving so far this year. I still expect Kentucky to improve. I expect them to get back into contention. We also talked about the Alabama Crimson Tide down in the SEC and how tough they are playing. But another team in the SEC that needs to be considered a contender are those Tennessee Volunteers. The Volunteers have the number one scoring defense in all of college basketball. Get this, they are allowing less than 54 points per game, and that includes 10 times where they gave up less than 50 points total. And all those were wins. Sometimes you say, well, yeah, they had a really good defensive night, but they lost. No, they're winning those games. When they play good defense, they win. And here's the bad news. They pride themselves on their defense. It's how they win. And you know, it's also funny. Sometimes when you're a good defensive team, you'll have an opponent say, well, it wasn't that they were so great defensively. We just couldn't shoot it tonight. And then the next night, you have another team, and they come in and they say, yeah, it's not that they were that great defensively. We just, we shot really cold tonight. We just couldn't knock down a shot. Yeah, it's not an accident. It's the team you're playing. They have something to do with why you can't shoot it. They force you to take low percentage shots, and then they finish the possession with a rebound. And so you're sitting there going, oh, we're just cold. Yeah, 
because they're giving you bad shots to take. That's what Tennessee does. Now, with Alabama, like we talked about earlier, losing to Oklahoma this last weekend, Tennessee has a pretty strong case that they're the best team in the SEC. And they look like they can play with anyone in the country. I would put the Tennessee Volunteers right now at number two. So we reached the number one spot in all of college basketball. And who is going to go there? Well, we have a team from the Big Ten. And we expected them to be good. We talked about this team on our Daily Dose preview. But they've been a little bit better than I expected. No, it's not Michigan. It isn't Indiana. It's not Michigan State. Who, by the way, were the teams getting the preseason hype. No, it is the Purdue Boilermakers. The Boilers have just one loss on the year. And it was by one point to a solid Rutgers team. Purdue, they're a little more balanced as a team. One thing that they have that no one else has, though, is seven foot four big man Zach Eady. Remember, Eady is still learning the game, but he's just so big. Offensively, he's trying to figure things out, but who are you going to match up with him? He's a problem. Defensively, he's also kind of just figuring things out, but how do you shoot over him? He's seven foot four. And he's learning and getting better a little bit every day. But the crazy thing about Purdue, they're not a one-man team. They don't just depend on Zach Eady to do everything. He's not that skilled as a player yet. He's got a lot of talent around him, though. He has a very solid cast. And we know from past years, head coach Matt Painter, he's a very underrated head coach. He knows how to design offenses. He knows how to manufacture points right now. The Purdue Boilermakers are our number one college basketball team. And, you know, as we start to pay a little more attention to college hoops, because that tournament is coming quickly, you might want to keep some of these teams in mind. Think about this. Selection Sunday, it is just a little over one month away. It's coming quickly. And that is always one sporting event that lives up to the hype. The Super Bowl might be boring. The Stanley Cup might be a blowout. The NBA Finals might be a sweep. The World Series sometimes is a yawner. March Madness always, always, always lives up to the hype. Every year we have upsets. Every year we have buzzer beaters. It gets no better. And it's going to be here before we know it. Okay, but let's switch it up. Let's stay in basketball. But let's take a current look at the NBA and which teams are currently playing the best. Understand, these rankings right now, they're not a prediction. They're not who I think is going to the NBA Finals just yet. This is not a guess for who's going to contend for a title. This is simply who is playing the best right now. And understand, with this long of a season, injuries, a lot of things can happen. These rankings can change at any second, and undoubtedly, they will. Let's start off at number five. I would place the Memphis Grizzlies at number five, even though. I'm a little concerned with how they've been playing as of late. Hey, the Grizzlies have a ton of talent with John Morant, with Dylan Brooks, with Jaron Jackson. The problem for Memphis is they're very young and they're inexperienced. And as talented as they are, they don't quite know how to bring their A game every single night. They will have nights. They will go out and they will beat the top team in the league. They will also have nights 
that they will be flat and they will lose to an inferior team. Some nights, they might get into a yelling argument with someone like Shannon Sharp. Side note, why was that idiot allowed to return to his sideline seat? I have no idea. This was a couple weeks back, I know. But Memphis was playing the Lakers. Shannon Sharp got into some sort of verbal altercation with the Grizzlies. He was escorted out, and then they let him come back in. The Lakers' security should be embarrassed. Anyways, on to other things. I will still keep Memphis at number five because they are capable of beating anyone in the league on any given night. But I want to see them have a little more consistency from night to night, and they're still learning that. At number four, I'm going to place a team that is still trying to get back to full strength. But finally, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton are back to playing together for the Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, when you have a three-headed monster of Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday all playing together, the Milwaukee Bucks have a really good record as a team. Well, now they are back to playing together. We just need them to play together for a while and stay healthy. And I think if they do that, the Bucks are going to start heating up. They could be the team to watch in the second half of the season because they may get rolling. I really like what Milwaukee is going to do. And they come in at number four. So we move on to number three. And when I tell you who I have at three, you're going to say, Clint, you're crazy. It's going to sound insane because they have the most wins in the league. But right now, I would make the Boston Celtics my number three team because they're kind of in a funk right now. I expect them to pull out of it. But here's what we're seeing with Boston. They've got a ton of talent. They've got some really good young players. They've got some experience. They have a little bit of everything. They should be a championship contender. Here's one thing we're seeing. They are really struggling to shoot the ball from deep. Now, that could easily be, this is the dog days of January. We're kind of tired. We're trying to survive to the all-star break, and then we'll take a rest. We'll get our second wind, and we'll get going again. Or this could be a problem, and it could rear its ugly head down the road at some point. I'm not quite sure, but I know this. Boston needs to prove they can knock some shots down. Because if they can't, then teams can sag off in the paint and take away some of their athleticism driving to the basket. I want to keep an eye on how Boston shoots. If it's good from outside, they usually win. If it's not, then you end up here at the number three spot. Even though you have a ton of wins and are a really talented team, Boston comes in at number three. I will place my hometown Denver Nuggets at the number two spot because right now, superstar and back-to-back MVP Nikola Jokic, he's battling a hamstring injury. Having said that, when the Nuggets have been at full strength, they're doing something that I just haven't seen them do very much in that franchise's existence. They are winning the close games. Nikola Jokic has kind of grown up. He's kind of taken the stance of, in a close game, give me the ball in crunch time. I will make the play. I will win this thing. And he's done this year pretty successfully. Plus, you do have Jamal Murray. 
a kid that is just a gamer. He loves the fourth quarter. He comes in clutch. They play a great two-man game together. You have Michael Porter, another kid that is so talented. He can shoot it. He can fill it up on a given night. But he's kind of learning how to do some other things. Learn how to go to the basket a little bit more. You've got Bruce Brown. You've got Contevious Caldwell-Pope. You've got some other pieces. And the biggest thing I like for the Denver Nuggets this year, you have Aaron Gordon playing at a very high level. I am not a believer that Aaron Gordon can be the best player on your team. Oh, but he could be a real nice number two. And he's learning to play better with Nikola Jokic. He's learning when to cut. He's learning when to fade. He's learning when to curl. And when those two are playing well together, you add in a Murray, you add in a Porter, suddenly the Denver Nuggets can put up some big, big matchup problems for you. Now, my concern for the Nuggets, when Jokic leaves the floor, there's a big drop-off. And that will be a concern in the playoffs. But they're playing at a very, very high rate this year. And even though they're playing at a really good rate, it kind of feels like we're waiting for them to start firing on all cylinders. It seems like they haven't quite hit their peak just yet. Is that because they're young? Maybe. Is that because they all haven't been healthy together a lot? Yeah, for sure. And it also might be because head coach Mike Malone doesn't always seem to me like the coach that has the answers. But make no mistake, the Nuggets are stacked with talent. They will be a team to watch as we go down the stretch. I have the Denver Nuggets at number two. So finally, coming in at number one is a team that I didn't expect to be here. It's a team that has plenty of talent, don't get me wrong, but they haven't always been very trustworthy. And yet, right now, I would put the Philadelphia 76ers as my top team in the league. Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP kind of level. The Sixers are absolutely rolling. Over the weekend, the Sixers came from down double digits to beat my Denver Nuggets, and Joel Embiid scored 47, including a dagger three-pointer to end it. Hey, if Philly can keep up this pace, oh yeah, they can go to the NBA Finals. They are that good. Yes, I know they followed up that big win to Denver with a bad loss to Orlando. Unfortunately, I think that's just the state of the league today. You've got some pieces in Philadelphia, and Joel Embiid is looking like he is making a strong case to be the MVP. Side note, I think this MVP vote is going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be between Embiid, Jokic, and Dallas Mavericks star Luka Doncic. But after the game over the weekend, between Jokic and Embiid, we had a number of the people on the sports channel saying, hey, this win by the Sixers proves that the MVP should go to Embiid because he beat Jokic head-to-head. Seriously? How does one game in January clinch an MVP award for you? Do it every night. Do it all the time. You can't pick and choose which games counted and which ones didn't. Hey, like I said, Embiid is having a great year. Let's see you have that kind of performance a little more consistently. It's not always been that consistent. I do think it's coming down to those three players. But again, just going to show you, a lot of times, those talking hairdos, they don't make any sense whatsoever. Okay, 
The NBA is now just past the midway point of the regular season. We are starting to see some teams develop. They are starting to show who they really are. You know, when we reach this point in the season, we can usually begin to hone in which teams are contenders and which teams are going to slide and probably fade as we come down the stretch. The NBA will be very interesting to watch after it comes back from that All-Star break, which is coming very, very soon. Okay, coming back. We are actually going to release a Daily Dose Power Rankings for the National Hockey League. We rarely ever do that. Plus, we still need to get over to our Daily Dose Top 5. Super Bowl 57 is now set. And in that game, we're going to see some fairly young quarterbacks squaring off. But here's my question for you. Something to think about. Who are the youngest quarterbacks to ever start in Super Bowl history? I'll give you a few moments to see if you can figure that out. Okay, so we don't talk a ton of NHL here on the dose. But hey, college football is over. The NFL is winding down. Maybe you need something to watch for the next few months this spring. It always kind of helps if you have some idea of what you're talking about, what you're looking at. Who are the teams that are actually good? Is this team kind of middle of the pack? Are they garbage? Who are the top teams in the NHL right now? So we're going to go ahead and give you our NHL power rankings. But the craziest part about these rankings to me is that for my perspective right now, the Western Conference does not currently have a team I would put in my top five. That's just me. And like I said, with the NBA, with college hoops, these can change from almost day to day. But I will give you the teams that I would rank in my top five in the NHL right now. Let's start off at number five. Okay. So we know that they are going to ultimately fail in the postseason. They do it every year. But there's no question that the Toronto Maple Leafs are insanely talented. They have had to battle through some injuries this year, and they've persevered. They keep winning games even when they have some key players out. The Leafs have a very solid one-two punch at goalie. And while we all know how this story is eventually going to end, they're going to bow out to probably a lesser team in the postseason. Hey, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are very worthy right now of being in the top five. And that's where I have them at number five. Next up at number four is a very young team but a very talented team, and that is the New Jersey Devils. You know, I keep waiting for the Devils to kind of hit that brutal slump where they lose like six, seven out of like 10, 12 games, and they've had a couple of short slumps, but they're just so talented. They seem to overcome it, and they turn things around, and they start winning again. The Devils play very good special teams. They can flat-out skate. They are young, and they are insanely talented. I would be surprised a little bit if they were to make a run all the way to like the cup this year, but they are a strong, young, very talented team. The New Jersey Devils come in for me at number four. Next up at number three are the defending Eastern Conference champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And a lot of that reason is because they still have a brick wall at goalie in Andre Vasilevsky. And when you have that goalie that can stand on his head, on any given night, you're always going to be in the thick of things. But 
it's not that the Lightning can't score themselves. They still have Steven Stamkos. They still have Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Victor Hedman. So they have plenty of scoring options as well. We know the Lightning came up short last year in the finals against my Colorado Avalanche. But make no mistake, they will be in the hunt to win it again this year. The Tampa Bay Lightning come in today at number three. We reach the number two team on our current NHL power rankings. And I'm going to put the Carolina Hurricanes here. Goaltender Frederick Anderson, he got hurt last year and it really cost Carolina. But he is still one of the top netminders in the league. And the Canes are a team, they have some depth. The Carolina Hurricanes have all the pieces to make a very deep run into the postseason this year. I would say they legitimately, they are one of those teams. They have a shot to win it all. I put Carolina at number two. So we finish off with the top team in the National Hockey League, at least right now. And I mean, who else can it go to? The Boston Bruins, they're not just winning games. They are dominating games. They have a goal differential of plus 80 right now. Their special teams are among the best in the entire league. The Bruins have potential MVP in David Pasternak. That kid is just an absolute sniper. They also have a ton of depth. They can generate scoring from a number of different line combinations. The Boston Bruins are the top team in the NHL right now. But we know this. The NHL season is nothing if not long. I expect a ton of movement in these rankings. And I'm really hoping that my Colorado Avalanche can make a run back into the top teams again as they begin to get healthy. They've been very banged up all year. But if you're not watching the NHL, I'm telling you, start to kind of watch it a little bit as the NFL goes away for the year and you're still kind of bored with some of the NBA stuff, you might want to tune into the NHL because it is going to be very fun to watch that league in the second half of the season. And I'm telling you this right now, no one has more exciting playoffs than the NHL. It is absolute must-see TV. Now, as we do so many weeks here at the Daily Dose, we need to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. Super Bowl 57 is now set. The Philadelphia Eagles will be facing the Kansas City Chiefs in Arizona, and we are going to have a battle of some pretty young quarterbacks. Think about this. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, he will be 24 years and 189 days old on Super Bowl Sunday. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes will be 27 years old and 148 days. A little bit older. But something I want you to think about today. Who are the youngest quarterbacks to have ever started in Super Bowl history? And while you're thinking about that, I'm going to give you one additional kind of little trivia question. Who is the youngest player to have ever taken a snap at quarterback in a Super Bowl? Not necessarily the starter, but the youngest player to take a snap. But today, our Daily Dose Top 5 is counting down the youngest starting quarterbacks ever in Super Bowl history. We start off at number 5. 5. 
and we have a very familiar face because it was just back in 2020 that the Kansas City Chiefs went to Super Bowl 54, where they managed to beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. to Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes was given the Super Bowl Most Valuable Player Award as Kansas City won their first title in 50 years. Now, for the game, Mahomes threw for 286 yards, he had two touchdowns, and he, I guess, outdueled 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, that's pretty impressive stuff. Granted, Garoppolo didn't, you know, do a ton in that game. He made a few big errors. But still, when you think about that, Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl 54, he was only 24 years old and 144 days. That's a young guy. Mahomes won the Super Bowl and won the MVP at that very young age. 24 years and 144 days come in today on our list of youngest Super Bowl starting quarterbacks at number five. We move on to number four. And we arrive at a quarterback that actually started the Super Bowl one year prior to Mahomes. This was back in Super Bowl 53. You might remember that game because Tom Brady and the New England Patriots would be facing the Los Angeles Rams in what ended up to be a very boring game. It ended with a 13-3 Patriot win. Wasn't very fun to watch. But the Rams just couldn't generate much offense all day. Now, some of that was because they faced a pretty stout Patriot defense designed by Patriot head coach Bill Belichick. And then some of it was also young Rams quarterback Jared Goff. I mean, he played okay. But think about this. Jared Goff on that day was 24 years old and 121 days on that Super Bowl Sunday. So in the game, Goff threw for 229 yards and an interception. He didn't have a touchdown. And the Rams, it just didn't ever feel like they were ever really a threat to mount enough scoring to beat the Patriots. Think about it. New England only scored 13 points. And that was plenty. They still won by double digits. So the Rams just couldn't mount any offense. And like I said, some of that was because they had a young quarterback. Jared Goff, at 24 years and 121 days old, comes in today at number four. We land at number three. And we go clear back to the year 1982 for this one. The NFL had a player strike that year that nearly canceled the entire season, but they brought the players back and they actually managed to finish out the year. They played nine total games and then the playoffs just went on. So in those playoffs, the Miami Dolphins played in one of the greatest games that I have ever seen in history. They beat the San Diego Chargers at home in those NFL playoffs in a wild game in Miami. Then Miami went on to shut out the New York Jets, low-scoring game, and they advanced to Super Bowl 17, where the Miami Dolphins lost 27-17 to to quarterback Joe Theismann, big rumbling fullback John Riggins, and the Washington Redskins. But you might think back to that game and be like, 
was that Dan Marino under center for the Dolphins? Who was that? No, it wasn't. The Dolphins actually had LSU quarterback David Woodley starting that season, and he played reasonably well for Miami that year. But unfortunately, in the big game, he had a very, very rough day. Washington had a tough defense, so it wasn't just Woodley. But they held David Woodley to just 97 passing yards all day. But I mean, David Woodley was just 24 years and 103 days old. What did we expect? David Woodley was a very young guy facing a very tough Washington team. He came up short. He didn't do so well. And he comes in today on our list at number three. Next up, we get to number two. And we go back to the 2005 NFL season where the Seattle Seahawks had gone to Super Bowl 40 behind quarterback Matt Hasselbeck. They would be facing the Pittsburgh Steelers with their young quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. And the Steelers would win a really, really strange game. That was one of the weirder Super Bowls that I can remember. A lot of questionable officiating calls, a lot of really weird penalties. And when you think about it, Ben Roethlisberger did not have a good game. He went just 9 of 21 for 123 yards. That's not much better than David Woodley did. He threw zero touchdowns. He threw two interceptions. And yet, the Pittsburgh Steelers won the Super Bowl. The Pittsburgh Steelers won that game basically with their very tough defense. And wide receiver Heinz Ward, he made a few big plays. So Ben Roethlisberger got a Super Bowl ring at the age of just 23 years and 346 days, just shy of his 24th birthday. Granted, Big Ben didn't really do all that much to earn that Super Bowl ring, but hey, he got it. And he was the second youngest quarterback ever to start in the Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger comes in today at number two. So we reach the number one youngest quarterback to ever start in a Super Bowl. But before we get to that, did you come up with who might have been the youngest player to ever take a snap at quarterback in the Super Bowl? A little bit tougher to come up with that one. You might have a couple of ideas. Was it a holder? Who would have taken a snap at quarterback? No, it was back in 1996 when 23-year-old Cordell Stewart took a few snaps at quarterback back when he was in that slash role playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers facing the Dallas Cowboys in Super Bowl 30. Stewart actually didn't even attempt to pass, but he ran a few times as the quarterback, even though he wasn't the starter. He's not our number one entry. Neil O'Donnell was actually the starter for the Steelers that day, and we all know he played terrible. But Cordell Stewart is actually the youngest guy to ever take snaps as a quarterback in the Super Bowl. Now, we get to our number one entry. And we go back to 1984, where the San Francisco 49ers were rolling along. They hadn't quite turned into the massive dynasty they would be, but a lot of pieces were there. They had Joe Montana. They had Roger Craig. They had Dwight Clark. They had Freddie Solomon. And we know some other big pieces were coming. But San Francisco had a very underrated defense. And across from them, in Super Bowl nineteen would be, once again, we've already talked about them today, the Miami Dolphins. 
and a second-year quarterback by the name of Daniel Constantine Marino Jr. Dan Marino had one of the most amazing seasons in NFL history in 1984. He threw for 48 touchdowns. That is a record that stood until 2013. That's insane. Remember, this wasn't the days of throw the ball all over the place. Not at all. You could hit him. You could hit his receivers. You could hit him in the legs. You could hit him high. You could hit him low. You could hit him after he got rid of the ball. You could land on him. You could try to hurt him. You could throw his receivers down. You could do whatever you wanted. And yet, somehow, Dan Marino didn't care. He was throwing touchdowns all over the place. 48 back then? That would be like throwing 68 now. That's absolutely insane. Unfortunately, the Super Bowl itself didn't go so well. In the big game, Marino did manage to throw for 318 yards. He had a touchdown, but the Dolphins were just outmatched. Joe Montana threw for 331 yards. He threw for three touchdowns. He didn't turn it over. He never did. And the Niners rolled to an easy 38-16 win. And that was that. Okay, but big deal. Dan Marino was just 23 years and 133 days old when he started that game. He was going to be back plenty of times, except that he never made it back again. Hey, in Super Bowl 57, we are going to be watching a couple of very young quarterbacks squaring off. And we can see from our list today, a lot of times those young quarterbacks, they don't always fare that well in the big game. It's a big game. It's a ton of attention. It's two weeks of talking about it and preparing for it and getting nervous. And a lot of times that doesn't work so well for those young guys. But as we also saw on our list today, you had better take advantage of the opportunity when you do get to that big game because you never know if you're going to get back again. Hey, next week on The Dose, Super Bowl 57 is set. We will be getting you ready for the big game as only we can here at The Dose. Hey, you want to know who's going to win that game? Well, our record here at The Daily Dose, yeah, it pretty much speaks for itself. We have an excellent track record at picking Super Bowls. Plus, you know we'll be keeping you up on all that is going on in the world of sports, so be sure you stop by and be sure you let a friend know to do the same. Hey, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening to The Daily Dose every week. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the text. Thank you for the tweets. Thank you for going over to DailyDoseSports.com and checking out the new things going up there every week. But more than anything, thank you for sharing the show, for sharing the videos, for sharing the articles with someone that you know. We absolutely love it when you do that. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all next Wednesday. Have a great week, everybody. Oh, that was the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life.